You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome, my friends. I am Vivian McPeak, and this is Hemp Present. If you have feedback and would like to suggest a guest or topic for the show, email me at hemppresent at gmail. Rick Kayakbaden and his wife Tanya are the co-founders of Tradewinds Hemp Company, which they formed in 1990 to advocate for hemp. They formed Tradewinds Natural Products in 1989 to demonstrate and teach how they live their lives through the abundance of the earth, agriculture, and the application of technology to provide, to provide all their needs and to validate agriculture as an honorable, useful, and essential body of work for survival and happiness. I've invited Rick here today to tell us more about all their great endeavors. Welcome, Rick, to Hemp Present on Canvas Radio. Thank you, Vivian. Thank you very much for this opportunity. Yeah, my pleasure, man. So, you know, I usually like to start with kind of how and when you and Tanya became aware of hemp and what a multifaceted and natural, uh, re resourceful natural resource it is. How did you become educated on the many promises that hemp offers humanity? Well, hemp is something that has been known to me throughout my life. I was not raised on a farm, but I have an extensive family background of farming and, uh, you know, rope. I've been a worker all my life and work with my hands, manage land and things like that. So we always knew what hemp was. Uh, when we came out to the West Coast, uh, and my wife has a very similar background. We had young children and we were looking for a good place to be. And we have lived in many parts of the country in Hawaii. And we heard a lot of good things about the Northwest. And uh, sometime in the summer of 89, I believe it was, we were uh, came to the Northwest and we traveled around. And um, the he Seattle Hemp Fest had just had its first event, maybe the year before or the year we came. And so it was talked about quite a bit. And then not too long after, at some of the cultural events, fairs we went to, we met Jack Hare. And so it was actually the first event I went to was the Southern Oregon Barter Fair. And Bill Condy was sitting across from me selling the first kind of hemp shirts. They were brought in actually as cotton, a typical denim farmer shirt that every farmer wears. He was selling them all weekend. And at first I thought, man, this guy's crazy. It's a $40 shirt. Who can buy a shirt for 40 bucks? And then right. I kept talking to him about how long they last and looking at them and, you know, 
I basically got my first education right there at the Southern Oregon Barter Fair, and then uh, everything fell into place for us after that. And of course, you know, Bill later ran uh, Condi's Lumberyard in Harrisburg, Oregon, and was making uh, some of the early hemp composite wood. Um, and yeah, we brought we brought Jack Hare up at the very first Seattle Hemp Fest, and and he only missed one while he was alive. Um, tell us about Hemp Tradewinds Company. Well, we were a natural products company. We had started working with sage, uh, a jewelry, uh, hand, different types of handmade jewelry uh, and clothing, some clothing. And so uh, we were into natural products and we have a distribution and we made everything ourselves. In some cases, we had grown herbs, we had made soaps and things like that. And so we, after uh, meeting Bill Condi, actually, I got invited by Carolyn Moran to the Environmental Law Conference, and we made a shirt. It was a, a silkscreen shirt. It was a, for hemp activism, and it said hemp now, and it had uh, uh, tree people being cut down. And my friend drew this painting after one trip to the Northwest. It was a beautiful picture of naiads, essentially, being... And it said, look, I looked on the barren land and wept for I knew there was a better way. That was our shirt. And I met a lot of the people from the Northwest uh, environmentalist community and the hemp community. And uh, we uh, we were already making products. But then as soon as we could import, the first thing would have been fabric. We started making some textile products. And uh, eventually we moved on to body care, partially thanks to Jerry Shapiro, the Mary Hempsters. And... Um, he helped us with some of our first oil supply and every, every time we could evolve something, you know, we were homeschoolers too. We made paper, we made candles, we made soap, we made a hundred things with our children and they made a lot of these things. And some of them were inspired originally by what we were doing with the kids. And we sold them at fairs and festivals uh, all over the West coast mostly, but we actually traveled the country over 20 years. And eventually we had, a fine example of every branch of hemp. And we went to the Hemp Museum in, New ha in, in Holland. There were two things we didn't have in our booth. And I can't remember what they were, but we could have attained them. And uh, we, we basically were a traveling educational group because of the homeschool and because, you know, that's what you do at a lot of these festivals. And most of them were featuring artisan crafts. They were featuring handmade crafts. So we brought it full circle with a the um, you know the agricultural aspect and and the cultural aspect because Tanya's family was from Czechoslovakia. Her grandmother huh. knew all about hemp, and she talked about it. And so that's that's it. Fascinating. You mentioned Carolyn Carolyn Moran, who was an early uh, proponent. Was was Talking Leaves? Was that her publication? If I remember correctly. Yes, Carolyn was publishing Talking Leaves, and she had just discovered hemp as a. She didn't want to uh, produce the uh, environmental magazine on paper. Um, you know, Paul Stanford was there with some of the first hemp. He was at the environmental law conference. Right, uh, right. And so she was my big sister. You know, she brought me right into the whole movement and. Um, ironically, you know, she invited me to the conference and asked me to sit at her table. And for the first day, I was a typical East Coast kid, you know, like, Jesus, <laughs> I'm not I'm not seeing any of these events or the uh, the talks. And but I, after the afternoon came, I realized I just met half the activists on the West Coast because they came to say hi to her. Right. And just then, sitting at her table. Right. Oh, God. And Captain Paul, is it Stanford from the. Um, oh, God, you know who I'm talking about, the whale man, the Captain oh, Paul, Paul Watson. Stanford. Paul Watson, he was two doors away from me. Sea Shepherd. So, 
yeah, I meet an all-American hero of my, uh, you know, for my life, and that that changed my whole life was laid out that day. The combination of the activism and, you know, we were activists proving out the viability of this this financial structure. You know, the farmers made things for people and they paid for them, and you know, it wasn't just a, 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 a you know, an easy way out or a diversion or, you know, it had a really substantial impact in, in our lives over the centuries. And we were kind of bringing it back. And I was proud to be in there in that moment because all these kind of people laid it out for my family. And part of my main advocacy years later is, you know, these are very real things, a lot of what we do. And uh, organic food, you know, home education, you know, a personal responsibility for your health care. And so um, th this is something that was given to me partially by elders before I got here. And it let me have a place. Uh, they did, a lot of these people fought. A lot of the protests, a lot of the kinds of things that happened had already changed things to a degree. So these were more progressive movements once we got here. And I'm very grateful for that. My, my children were raised in that environment and they still live here. They've traveled the world and they really still see this as a very viable and dynamic place, the Northwest. Right on, right on. Um, Rick, you and Tanya have been hemp-focused activists, educators, and entrepreneurs in this country for decades. Uh, you've been operating in a shifting legal and market landscape, of course, which is always ever-changing and evolving. Um, everything has to do, uh, everything that has to do with hemp also happens against a backdrop of cannabis prohibition and the stigma uh, that exists around euphoric cannabis, weed, ganja, um, what have your experiences been like for you as hemp advocates, entrepreneurs, and enthusiasts all this time? Well, the first thing I want to do is go right back to where I was a minute ago and thank all the people that were um, activists, uh, legal activists, uh, nurses, you know, uh, farmers, you know, all the people that had been struggling with these issues before I got here. I learned... Uh, how to say this, I never led a, a, a political campaign. I helped in the most minor of ways, usually serving food, getting chairs, helping everyone uh, be comfortable. And, and while other people carried the weight of these very um, heavy tasks, you know, a lot of the people I that were involved in political activism were self-taught uh, paralegals, essentially. Uh, they had to teach themselves to, to fight or, or create law fight legal battles to create law. I was in awe of this. Um, part of my evolution, my personal evolution is gaining uh, an understanding of myself in a world where certain things are not valued or, or you have to be very aggressive to be successful. And I was allowed to become part of a team and all these people were very welcoming. And uh, to the fact that there was some joy in the middle of all these um, meetings and all these protests and stuff always amazed me. And this became my inspiration. Um, I can't just think about business. I can't just think about, you know, let's say I'd be successful, but 10 guys work for me. I, I want all those guys to make the same kind of money and I want them all to have families. And it just all led to this dynamic. And as I said, we were, uh, we're grandchildren of immigrants and all of us, our family history, our big families and farms and people that work together 
and it's in our genes. And so when I saw that farmers, you know, and, and when I mean farmers, I mean, some of the modern heirloom farmers were my first mentors in Oregon. And that taught me about heirloom seeds and organic farming. They're the ones that took on, uh, well, the barter fair itself, the Southern Oregon barter fair became not intentionally a political protest, but the local people were against it based on falsehoods, you know, the drugs and nudity, and we're trying to hurt children and none of that was real. And, um, so they were educational places for a lot of people and, and social uh, support mechanisms. So anyway, I was welcome with my family into this whole thing when I got here. And the way I look at it, you know, they were uh, okay. handed it by people for 100 years that had been working towards this in modern America to restabilize culture. Wow. I'm talking to Rick Kayak Botten. We're going to take a quick break and come back with our second segment. So don't go anywhere. Time to roll out for the people that let us hemp present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. We're back on hemp present. Um, Rick, you work with Mountain Girls Botanica. And of course, the mountain girl in that equation is Carolyn Garcia, who's been a guest on this show. Uh, tell us about Mountain Girls Bo Botanica and the good work that you do with that company. Okay, as uh, we did uh, some work with medical marijuana and we had started creating products for the first uh, level of that program. And as a transition into recreational um, marijuana and hemp was changing status basically at the same time. And you would have had to decide to stay with the marijuana or go with the hemp. And since we started one of the first hemp companies in the country, it made a lot of sense to pick up the hemp banner and and work with hemp and evolve hemp products and we've been herbalists uh, since the beginning essentially uh, as a family and then we had evolved that um, so uh, what happened was i had met carolyn at a festival a long time ago and talked to her about uh, community support uh, networking um, event planning essentially uh, just celebrating the community and bringing people together and and also this is very much tied to education and and women's empowerment and uh Carolyn had an interest in herbs and um, working with herbs for Parkinson's disease, uh, uh, brain impairment issues. Uh, there's a lot of different related issues with nerves right now, Alzheimer's and things, and trying to evolve uh, health care and, and formulations for those type of illnesses. And I actually brought up the CBD component. And for me, uh, one of our branch companies is Green Goddess Organic uh, Chocolates, and uh, the women are central to my whole business, and working with women in food production and in agriculture production is very traditional. Um, women work very well together, and they traditionally hold the seeds and the secrets of a lot of different processes regarding food and health. And so when Carolyn and my wife and I sat down, there was a synergy there to help her evolve her business concept and her health concepts into the community, as well as work together with someone who's a true human scientist, in my opinion, and the depth of the whole culture that we've been part of, the rock and roll culture and the community, the extended community is what gave me my life and my kids, as I said, grew up in it. And it is a beautiful thing. So the chance to come together and, uh, and uh, work on these things together and express them together was just a golden opportunity and, and hopefully for both of us. So we just worked on these formulas, put out some CBD herbal uh, kind of formulations and uh, spent a lot of time advocating, doing events together, 
the Oregon Country Fair, the um, Emerald Cup and others. And um, it was a really a wonderful experience. We did the tours, uh, um, you know, a few uh, times together and it was a great experience. At this point, Carolyn is semi-retired. She's working. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. ...on books and she's speaking and things like that. And the whole uh, evolution of psychedelics now, as I see it, our whole movement of plant medicines is evolving. And our, our real bond was about plant medicines and uh, people's ability to uh, take care of themselves and evolve their health with plant medicines. And of course, you know, Carolyn is a cultural icon, having, you know, been Jerry Garcia's first wife and memorialized in the electrochelate acid test and on the, uh, you know, on the further bus and all that. And and she came and spoke in Hempfest in 2019. I just found her to be tremendously uh, accessible and down to earth and, and just really a wonderful person. Do you agree? I wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> You know, I mean, if I can add, uh, as far as I'm concerned, everyone needs to understand uh, the, the women supporting the community all through the years aren't always the people up front, uh, but they truly hold a community together. And her perspective and what she was able to express uh, really resonated that repeatedly. And I, I really believe that on the earth, women are... Uh, 
it's hard to say what I'm trying to say properly. Women are what they are. We don't give them anything, but if we can respect them and, mm -hmm. uh, and the, the, the balance of, of uh, equity, the balance of control or the balance of uh, uh, holding, holding things in trust, I believe will come back with the respecting of women in the community. And telling that story is pretty much one of the most important missions we have from now on and, and creating the relationships that allow for sharing of knowledge and sharing of uh, resources. That's right. The women are smarter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how can anyone question? We all came from a mother. I have that's right. I give, give up nothing to say you're greater than me. And if I can help, that makes what makes me a man. You know, if I can help my mom and then the community and if we all work together, you know, and I reach out my hand to you, brother, you hosted all of us and you and your family in, in the <laughs> manner I'm speaking. And that's why we came back to the country fair. we brought, I'm sorry, the Hemp Festival. We brought back our family again and again to what I felt was a very safe, safe gathering and full of caring people. And that's the future. And of course, you know, when we started Seattle Hemp Fest, we were Oregon Country Fair people ourselves, right? Sure. So we tried to do our best to put that spirit in our urban uh, event. Um, you, you recently returned from the Brazil Hemp Fair, a symposium and trade fair in Sao Paulo, Brazil. What went on there, you know, and what news can you share about the hemp industry and, and movement in South America? Sure. Uh, in our travels, uh, we met uh, gentleman ambassador Brian Bowler from Malawi. He was a UN ambassador from Malawi in New York City. And he told us his country was about to legalize hemp the next week. And he was amazed that he met some folks from the hemp community and he was very interested in, uh, you know, chance meetings and the responsibility and the possibilities of people helping each other and working with women. And we maintained a contact with him. He's retired now, but he worked in Brazil and he introduced us to a group called Abacan and Abacan uh, loosely translated the Association of Brazilian Industry in Hemp and Cannabis. And they are a uh, 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 political and trade organization uh, created to legalize hemp and cannabis and to create uh, research and ties to agriculture and industry to evolve uh, the hemp, uh, you know, hemp in, in Brazil. So uh, I invited uh, Eric Steenstraw, who was the executive director of Vote Hemp, into the conversation early on as the key person I know out of uh, all the different uh, kind of people we know in the hemp world uh, to help them because they are trying. They do have, a, they have a little bit of an open door. You can get a prescription for hemp from a doctor, and the way that works is interesting. They give you the prescription, but then you order it from a company somewhere else in the world that is allowed to make them. Um, but we met the researchers, uh, some of the industry people, for example, in fiber and in uh, textiles that want to evolve uh, hemp as a business. But the way they do it is a little more uh, cooperatively, especially when it's initiated through a group like Abacan. So Eric and I spoke together on a panel. Um, we both are entrepreneurs that started in the very beginning of hemp. And so we had that story to tell. And Eric, as you, I'm sure you know, he eventually with David Bronner and others formed the uh, Vote Hemp organization, which became our lobby and was successful in decriminalizing hemp and, and opened the doors that we are um, utilizing now to produce hemp products. So we have formed an initial uh, 
you know, relationship to figure out how we can help. And we're getting an education on how business or research is done in Brazil. And we're, it's very exciting that a lot of the research I've done and a lot of the work I've done really turns into what is now called regenerative farming and regenerative agriculture. And when you pull all this together, it really does tie the community together and it gets into high levels of technology uh, where agriculture can support uh, fuel supplies, building products, it can replace plastics. And I know I'm preaching to the choir with you, but um, the thing is that these, uh, the research and the development of these different types of things are happening all over the world. So the chance to collaborate um, with people from around the world, it will further things in America as much as uh, potentially we can help them in Brazil. I'm very excited about that. It feels like a lot of the work we've done now is just it, the, the, the hands are going across, you know, the, the borders and people are reaching out and, you know, limitations that we actually have here um, are, for example, soil science research are evolving very rapidly in places like Brazil. And when you put them together with agriculture and development projects, um, you know, you're creating economic support, but you're also evolving all these concepts in, a, in an equitable way. And, uh, you know, sharing, and the sharing is very important. To accelerate sharing when you're locked in a strict economic structure, it, you know, creates limitations. So creating these bridge organizations that can uh, share knowledge and also protect intellectual property <clears throat> is actually one of the key things we're working on. So this is a, a, a all, all encompassed. And, and we got to go to another break, but uh, Abacan is basically the Brazil Cannabis Association, right? Industry, Industries Association. Yes. Yeah, there's other organizations. This is a pretty all-encompassing one. Some of them are more focused on cannabis specifically, but that okay. is their intention. All right. We're going to take another break, come back with our final questions. Don't go anywhere. Time to roll out for the people that let us have present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. All right. We're back for our final questions with Rick Kayak Button. Um, Rick, in preparing for this interview, you let me know that you kind of wanted to touch on the relevance of the issues involved in freedom, human rights, indigenous rights, women's rights, constitution, international law. Um, what are your thoughts on all of that and how does that all intersect? Well, it's interesting for me that I was about 40 years old and standing in a room full of uh, people that were activists and some of them had helped write the medical marijuana and the hemp bills in Oregon. And one of them talked about freedom and their rights. And for the first time in my life, it hit me that this is a right. I grew up as a punk kid willing to get arrested for smoking a joint. If the man's gonna bust me, whatever, I'm gonna smoke a joint. And I, I thought that made me a man when I was 17. And as I grew up, I had a belief in, in freedom, meaning I should be able to be happy with my wife. I should be able to be happy with my kids. My kids should live a good life, not, you know, toil and struggle and doom and gloom. And we tried to create that life. And um, we, that's how we came to Oregon. And people had maintained uh, back up in the hills a life that was uh, kind of disappearing in, uh, in the East Coast quite a bit, partially through mining industries, partially through, you know, many different aspects. But there was a, a freedom out here. You could go out and live free. And um, so this is the beginning of my education into your involvement into political awareness. And I have had a direct effect on the law twice in my life. Um, once we helped rewrite the rules for medical um, 
edibles in this state. And they literally took word for word our suggestions because we were all in the food business and it was essentially labeling. Another time, Carolyn Moran had said they're going to write, uh, they're they're going to put up an industrial hemp bill in Oregon. You should you should uh, testify. And it turned out I was one of two people that testified as farmers, and everyone else that testified was a business, many from out of state, which is fine. But that hemp bill passed, and the fact that I was actually representing as a farmer at this level just taught me that every single person has a piece, even though we seem to be feeling powerless much of the time. And so, you know, to bridge with the last comments I was making, you know, human rights is an issue. Um, restoring the earth is an issue. You know, indigenous people have held the fire, have held the knowledge and held their communities together through genocide, through, you know, essentially an ongoing war that's been lasting for thousands of years. And I truly believe that um, we are we are regaining that by our actions. And if we can do right livelihood and, and honest, fair um, uh, relationship building with people, that we will change the world. And the, it has changed in 30 or 40 years. And the basic last thing I have to say about that is we all need each other to evolve this concept from around the world. Because I did not fully understand what freedom was until I was 40 years old. And I got an inkling of what my rights were. And I think it's hard to hold on to these things, but it's much easier community. And I do think it's building and growing. And I think that all the things we're talking about have helped me in my life kind of embody that or understand it or feel it. And you have to feel it if you're going to be it. And you have to feel it if you're going to say to your kids in the next generation that we think we're doing something important. Wow. Yes. I mean, I, I totally identify with that. And you mentioned indigenous uh, people. You are working cooperatively with members of indigenous communities uh, to exploit the benefits of hemp, uh, which is exciting on several levels. Uh, what we still have a few minutes, talk, talk to me about that. Well, in my travels as a consultant, I have met some uh, different groups and uh, evolved some of these concepts and conversation. Usually it starts as a simple function. We're talking about hemp seeds, uh, hemp crops, but I brought in the concept that hemp is not the be all end all. It is part of a, a, a agricultural uh, multi-crop concept that any farmer would have. And so this uh, brought me, it's the people that were most receptive to this over the years, my friend Stephen Holly from Alaskan Hemp Company and Community Business Development, which are a business and a nonprofit organization um, uh, to partnered together. Stephen wears several hats. Um, but essentially, they're going to evolve an agricultural program in 200 villages across Alaska. And because of a global warming, uh, hunter-gatherer society is realizing that they need to work with the land in, in a different way. And so I have been talking about anything we can imagine over time with this uh, connection from hemp as it turns into multidimensional farming. And to me, it's all a school. And so uh, you're always starting educating yourself, but you have the chance to educate kids. And then as you bring these programs together, you're building, I realized years ago, we were building community this way. I reached out to Winona LaDuke, who is a well-known uh, Native American activist. And I reached out to her actually uh, to learn how to lead because I think women are really the leaders in the center of the community. And what she's been able to accomplish in her life is just absolutely amazing. And she's come out here to speak okay. to activists. 
And so I got to meet her and offered to help her. And we've been working together for several years. That is very exciting. Um, you know, I'm just really thankful to finally get you on the show. I appreciate all the work that you're doing, Rick. Um, give my, my love to Tanya and thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, just very quickly, how can, is there a website? How can people follow your work? Well, Mountain Girls Mechanica is the best way to find me or my email is simply R-I-C-K-K-B at live.com. All right. Thanks for being on the show, man. Thank you very much. That concludes this installment of Hemp Present on Cannabis Radio. When it comes to prohibition, you got the right not to remain silent. Activism requires a voice. Find your voice and speak up for justice because resistance is fertile. The Hemp Present intro music is Seven Mile Beach by Joanne Rand and the outro music Take Back the Plant by Stickerbush. See you next week. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.